This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Miss Sambulvinaka and welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and as always I'm joined by my media bestie and the second smartest man I know, Dean Hallatow. to everyone. Sarah, good to be here once more. We've got plenty coming up in the next hour. We'll take a look back at the weekend in sport. We chat with Ellie Enoch and we've got a new question for you can ask that. So lots to get through, but how's your week been, Sarah? It's good to have you back in the studio. It genuinely feels so good to be back in the studio. Our week has been good. Uh, last week I was in the Gold Coast for a pre-World Cup camp, which was uh, aka Hell Week. Um, but coming out of it, we've had six days at home, so I'm pretty much going back into World Cup camp as of tomorrow, which is really exciting. So the focus of this week has just been spending time with family, getting my life organized, hashtag struggles of a semi-professional athlete, and um, just making the most of the beautiful weather in Sydney. It's been cracking this week. How, how do you go living out of uh, a suitcase sometimes? Oh, not well. Not yeah. well. I'm over it. I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> over it. But what my friends and I have done is we've discussed, because you can only obviously take 23 kilos, and that's including all your boots and all your kit for about six weeks at least, is we all are going to bring three shirts each and then we're going to rotate. So yesterday a, a, a list was sent out of what T-shirts you need to bring and then once we get there we're just going to do a bit of a wardrobe swap so that we can still look fly while we're still wearing the same clothes for <laughs> essentially six weeks. That's a good plan. Yeah, because, you know, you want to look – you spend most of your time in kit, so you want to kind of flex when you get the opportunity to put on a casual shirt. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. first world problems. Anywho, enough about Sezi. What's been happening in the world of Hala? Miss uh, you, by the way. I haven't seen you in the no, flesh. No, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. But, look, I'm going well. We've got finals going on at the moment with rugby league, so – bit going on in your world. busy in the central, but less games, obviously, every week. I went up to um, the Central Coast on Sunday for the NRLW. They had a triple header up there. All three matches played. Took my daughter up, my oldest, Taylor. She came up for the day was my little assistant, kind of didn't really assist with anything, but sat and watched the footy. She loved it. She had fun. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's just I'm always just bogged down, in, not bogged down, bogged down, I should say, but um, just always league. Can you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Because the season is coming to the end and then you get to have a bit of free time to just do you and spend time with your family? No, not really. Like, I, I, yes, I will get free time and I'm going away at the end of um, October for some leave, but um, we sort of roll from the season into getting ready for reviewing the year and then preparing for next year. So it kind of doesn't really go into an off season. It ticks over. You get like a bit of a week sort of breather and then you just go into the next thing, which is, which is sweet. But it is like finals footy is really exciting. Always like NRLW finals kick off this week, and um, the NRL finals have been going really well. So that's really exciting. The footy's great, which is awesome. Footy's great. When footy's great, life is good. Life is good. Now, our top story for this week, we're going to a different sport. We're going to tennis, and this is huge news for the world of tennis. We've had some big tennis news um, recently, but this is this is big. This is huge. Roger Federer, much loved and adored by millions of fans around the world announced his retirement from tennis after a historic 24-year career. Now, this is huge because growing up, and I'm sure it was the same for you, even though you're a little bit older than me, <laughs> growing, <laughs> just a little bit of a sledge in there. Yeah. Growing up, these are the people that you grow up doing projects about because they're, you know, they're lead athletes and an absolute superstar in the world of tennis. And then he announces his retirement. And you're like, well, then who, who's the next Federer? Yeah. So it's um it's it's a it's a sad day to to kind of or should I say a sad week because we obviously uh, witnessed the loss of the queen this week and I guess in the sense of tennis royalty we also lose another who bows out um after a stellar career. It's a huge career and um, 
you're right. Here's one of those guys that a lot of people will point to for, I guess, for your school projects or when you're talking about athletes, like who, who are the athletes that do it really well because they're either really skillful and talented or they work hard. And, and he's probably an example of all the above when it encompass, like what encompasses to be a, an elite athlete, the way he presents himself in public as well. He's a fantastic speaker, a good representative for the game of tennis. And um, yeah, he, he is the goat in that world. So well done, Roger Federer, I should say, on, a, uh, on an amazing career. Yes, well said. And I guess on the note of that, it also is like a, a sign of like his body is essentially the reason why he's bowing out after all these years. But what a what a career, what a way to to be remembered for being just an outstanding human both on and off the court. And then what to, to solidify 20 Grand Slam singles on your own. Mate, that's a feat that is very hard to compare to. It's going to be very hard to top. Now, you weren't here last week, Sarah, and the NFL became a topic of conversation for me, as it does when the uh, season kicks off. And then I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you, you sound, <laughs> yeah, you, you're very disappointed you missed that. But look, we're into week two of the NFL, kicked off last week, uh, and we, we did a little exercise, nearly found an NFL team picker, which was just a little activity to see who your team would be if you went through answering different questions. I don't know if they were really accurate questions to describe your team, but who did you end up with? I ended up with Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this is going to be a little bit embarrassing, but I've never heard of them before. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Is that bad? They are a team, I'll confirm. Yes. Also, to our producer, Nelly, fantastic tool because for people like me who are absolutely clueless, that was great. So you've got a team to follow now. The now I've got a team to follow. So now you have to hold me accountable to, to give you some rundowns yeah. and scores and stuff like that. I, I want to I want to hear those come through. I've got Green Bay Packers, which wasn't a fix. I actually landed on them. I don't know how. They are my team. So I'll um, I'll take that. Nelly got the Chicago Bears. He wasn't quite sure about who the Chicago Bears were either. Sounds like a basketball team to me. But you know what? We're all about learning and the growing Chicago on the show. Bears, so I'm about a basketball it. team. The Bulls. You can't like. Oh, the Bulls. The Bulls and then are the, the Bulls basketball are, yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. results from week two. Ones that I want to, or the one that I want to highlight the Miami Dolphins 42 beat the Baltimore Ravens 38. This game was uh, obviously high scoring, but the, the probably the. The talk of the match was Tui Tungavailoa. He he threw six touchdown passes, which is a massive game. He's kind of like the the big hope for the Miami Dolphins. They've recruited well and that they've picked up some really good wide receivers for him to throw to. And yeah, six touchdown passes, four in the last quarter, and the last one to J, um, to Jalen Waddle. That was um, fourteen seconds to play on the clock. So a huge game from him and um, big result. So what well on to the Dolphins for getting that result? I'll start bringing in more more games as uh, we progress through the season. I guess. I love it. And I also know that you are a fan of like fantasy football. And um, I have a note here that you've joined five leagues this season. Yeah. Last year was too much with four. So I decided to add another one to make it way too much. <laughs> you are so funny. Yeah. And also like, it's a little bit cute that you have like five leagues, like stick to one, my guy. Yeah. Well, I won five in the first week, all five, but then I only won two this week. So. Ah, okay. But, but you know what? The only way. Earth. Yeah. Okay. Right. Cool. Anyway, enough <laughs> NFL. Let's get on to AFLW round four. Nelly, do you want to jump in on the AFLW with us? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a tough week for our our girl Moore, as the Carlton Blues actually got their second draw. This is unbelievable in consecutive weeks. It is. I don't think it's ever happened. How does that even AFL. happen? It's never happened in AFLW before. So I bet they're feeling really down on themselves. Like how could you not feel like you'd have to be? Oh. Um, so I feel for her, but she did make it into the um, like the team of the week. When well they put it all together. So I was like, okay, well, it's not for her lack of trying. The other team that we follow is the Brisbane Lions with uh, Jesse Wardlaw and Zimmy Farquharson. And Brisbane have been 
pretty much unstoppable. And this was probably the game of the round facing up against the Melbourne Demons, who are another top tier AFLW team. Like they are tough to beat and scrappy conditions. Brisbane were down, like Melbourne looked like they had it, but they came back and probably thanks to Jessie Wardlaw, who we've had on the show before and is just a gun. And she managed to kick not one, but two goals and not set shots, like not setting up normally, just off the ground, soccering it. Now Spark to send it back inside the 50 for the Lions, off the kick in. Conway had a chance out the back, 30 out from goal. Great pressure from Hodder, hooks it over her shoulder to fall forward. They fly, Wardlaw running in, couldn't get a boot to it the first time, socket it through the seconds. I love seeing soccer goals in AFL. Like I think the ball's always bouncing around, right? Just just have a lash. Yeah, have a lash. I like it. Have a lash. <laughs> that puts Brisbane on top of the ladder, right? Yes. And um, with points differential, it's They are flying. Huge, yeah, right? flying. Yeah. Untouchable. Well, we go, we're, we're going to jump on the back of the, the lines at the moment because they're going so well. Do you want to be fair weather fans? Yes, that's me. Always, always, we've always like been Western always, Sydney, right? We've always been Western Sydney, and obviously Lions have been such a formidable side taking out the title last year. So it's just, you know, you just you root for the teams that you love and the ones that are most likely to win. Well, Carlton with the two draws, right? They're, they're getting points even though they're draws. So they're outside the eight. Hopefully they can get turn those draws into wins so they can creep into the eight and then we'll have a few teams to, to support. Yes. Yeah. Staying on the field, rugby championships continues and the Wallabies took on the All Blacks. Now, this has to be the most controversial game of the Wallabies this season, or dare I say in the past decade. The final score was 39 to 37. Now, this was controversial, um, particularly in the last two minutes of the game. Wallabies were in the lead, but we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. But the one thing to take away from this game that was quite uh, frightening, dare I say, was Darcy Swain's hit on Queen Tupaya. Quinn was just sitting over the ruck like a duck and Darcy came in, cleaned him out and tore his MCL. He was first given a yellow card, but after Sansa reviewed it, they said it would qualify for a red. This to me is hugely disappointing because I feel like Darcy Swain is a bit of a hothead and constantly gets penalised and puts his team in a really tricky situation. And then I see this week that he's been added to the Australia A team. So he's been suspended, right, for six weeks? He has been suspended. Yeah, so if he gets named for Australia A, do they have matches count in his suspension? I have absolutely no idea. It's an interesting one. But look, the hit was very ordinary. Like it was a – and look, this is something that's been outlawed in, in league. Is is kind of like the um, Prowler tackle. What's the name for it? The Cannonball tackle, sorry. The Cannonball's the proper name for it. But um, this was picked up a few years ago and it's been slowly eradicated from the game. And rightly so, he's been suspended. And it was uh, yeah, it was just a nasty hit and the, the injury as a result. Yeah, it really was a nasty hit and, um, you know, also sending love to Quinn who will now see at least three months on the sideline. So not the kind of way that you want to end um, a season, but uh, the Wallabies will head over to Auckland this weekend to face the All Blacks at their fortress, Eden Park. So it'll be interesting to see how this one unfolds. Can I, can I just say for the All Blacks, Will Jordan is a freak. He is a very, very good player. They're, they've really turned it around. If you yeah. really think about the All Blacks where they started, Ian Foster being under a lot of pressure and the side being under scrutiny for having back-to-back losses to now creeping their way back up to the top of uh, world rugby rankings. It's uh, quite the story. It is quite the story. Now over to the other um, overball co- code that we like to talk about, the NRLW, round five, the final round of the regular season. As I mentioned in the opener, it happened up at the Central Coast and uh, some big results uh, that had a big impact on the finals uh, fixtures as well. 
Yes, the Eels, as we know, have had many losses throughout this season, but they claimed their first dub against the Broncos. The final score was 28-16. to 16. There were tries um, all throughout the park by Tiana Penatani, Zali Faye, Samaya Taufa, and a voice that you've heard recently and consistently on this show is Kennedy Charrington. She crossed for the first time throughout an NRLW career. Spins it away left, a high pass, good hand from Quinlan, turns it in this time to Butler. Rima Butler is going to be confronted by Turner and Pop the ball out the back, it's along the ground, it's scooped up though by Brooke Anderson, she beats one tackle, it's six more, comes away to the right, and crossing over to score is Kennedy Charrington she's over King Cheser, as she's told me not to call her, Kennedy Charrington scores for Parramatta, her first of the year, and it's now Parramatta, 26 Brisbane 16, and the Eels going to make the finals, and they did make the finals they needed six points, they just needed to win by six and hopefully um, they'll re- relying on the Titans to lose. So they got the result, a really impressive performance. They turned up to play the Eels, and, um, yeah, it was just uh, really good to see Kennedy cross and be excited as she was, and she was on a high for the next three hours, I think. She was super pumped, and to add to all of her accolades of the day, she also made her sideline commentary debut. She was in the box, actually. She, she was in the box. Commentary, oh, yeah. f- forget sideline. She went straight to the top, straight and she to was top. right next to the GOAT of ABC, Andrew Moore. So it was a great day for our girl, King Cheza. King Cheza. Now, the other matches, the Roosters took on the Titans in the middle one. As I mentioned, the Titans needed to lose for the Eels to make it. 38-12, to 12, the Roosters won. So that was a, there was a lot of Parramatta Eels supporters and players cheering on the the Roosters in that game but um, a perfect season for the Roosters they haven't lost a game yet and they look very very hard to beat Destiny Brill crossed the line twice this is the way her first one went six and a half out from that northern goal line Brill dummy half goes herself to slam it down does she get there yes she does the Roosters are in first Destiny Brill opens the account here for the Sydney Roosters she had a great game Destiny Brill she was uh, in everything Working hard at dummy half, directing play and uh, bringing the forwards onto the ball. It was uh, another strong performance from the Roosters. They are looking like favourites at the moment, I think, to win the comp. Yes, Destiny is an incredible player. It does not shock me that she is doing what she's doing right now in her season. And for the Roosters, like you alluded to earlier, they're having the perfect home and away season. The last fixture for NRLW is the Knights versus Dragons match where the Knights put on such a clinical performance, coming away with a dub at 30-8. to eight. Yeah, big big win for the Knights. And the Dragons have um, begun a pr- along pretty nicely this year. They're a competitive side. They always have been. This is their worst loss that they've suffered um, this season. So it was uh, no doubt disappointing for Jamie Soward's team. Uh, there were still some um, good performances across the board. It was good to see um, Kiana Takaidangi cross for the Knights. She, um, she had a good game playing out in the centres. Uh, the, two, the two hookers that work uh, together for the Knights are unbelievable. Uh, Emma Manzelman and Olivia Higgins, they do great work out of dummy half. It's um, going to be a hard team to beat. If, if any team's going to challenge the Roosters through the finals, this is the, ones I, the one I see to, to do it. Yes, the Knights do have a very deep roster and these two sides will see each other again in the semifinals. If we remember a few weeks ago in the NRL, the Rabbitohs took on the Roosters in their last regular round. And as we know, the Roosters took the dub the next week. Souths put it over them. So it could 
very much be that the next time the Dragons will get the goods. You do, do learn some lessons in review and no doubt that's what the Dragons will go through. Now in the men's side of things, the finals were in week two and not as competitive as the first week of the finals. The Eels took on the Raiders firstly on the, on Friday night out at Western Sydney Stadium and it was a really comprehensive win by the Eels, 40 points to four. Uh, they looked at their attacking best and they were led by a number of Pacifica players. Uh, Wonga Blake crossing for a try. 22 out from the Canberra line, right in front of the post. Now Marnie goes right. Brown to Moses. Cut out pass to Wonga Blake. Step on Xavier Savage may have yelled out touch, but he barely got a finger to him. And Wonga Blake's over to score Parramatta's third try. He says, Banaka Bakalemu. And he's got a smile like the old split watermelon. Smile like a split watermelon. <laughs> I didn't pick that up the first time. That's good. I like that. Very, very good. And yeah, look, the, that... The atmosphere sounded amazing out there. It's it's a great stadium, and the Eels uh, have to go up to North Queensland this Friday to to take on the Cowboys. It's going to be a tough road trip. It's a it's going to be hot conditions, something that they're probably not used to at the moment. Although Sydney's turning it on weather wise, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough road trip. The other match of the the weekend was the Sharks taking on the Rabbitohs out at um, the SFS, and the Rabbitohs thirty eight too strong for the Sharks twelve. Some lessons learned, I think, for the Sharks. They were. Finished in second place, um, but they just couldn't get the job done against the Bunnies. Yeah, I was actually at this game and it was such an electric atmosphere. 39 people packed, sorry, 39 people. (laughs) 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 That's not much of a crowd, my guy. (laughs) Under sixes in my local area pick up more of a crowd. 39,000 people packed out the stadium and a guy that was absolutely on point in form and in everything was Fijian Tane Milne. Last tackle, Rabbitohs. Damien Cook goes to the right. Lachlan Elias cut out ball, but it's on the bounce for Tane Milne. And then he reaches out and might have scored in the Norris corner. Tane Milne kisses the Rabbitoh above his left nipple and claims the try to double the Tane. Block your ears, Louis, because that, I'm afraid, is game, set, bingo. The Rabbitohs leading 34-12 are going to win. There's another one I missed before, above his left nipple. I mean, I want to see it. <laughs> How does he know where his nipple is? I, don't I know. have no idea. I mean, the nipple stays consistent. It's the tattoo being there. Yeah, well, well, the logo. It's the logo he's talking about in his jersey. Before we get too deep, don't forget you can hear every game live on Radio Australia. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? Talanoa time this week. We're very lucky to be joined by Ellie Enoch. She is uh, a parallel athlete with Vanuatu and she's represented uh, on a number of occasions and, and most recently at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham in England. It's great to have you on the show. Ellie, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me as well. Well, we can start off by by just jumping back to the most recent um, tournament or event that you've been at, the, the Commonwealth Games. Can you give us a little bit of an insight um, what that was like over in England to um, to represent Vanuatu? Uh, thank you. Well, I'm so happy that I went and uh, represent Vanuatu. And it's like my first time ever to um, go into the Commonwealth. And I'm so excited. Um and it's really good experiencing lots of crowds. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm so happy. Ellie, on that note, you had a very, very special opportunity to be the flag bearer for Vanuatu at the Com Games. How did that feel to, to be given that honour and represent your country? 
Um, thank you. I'm so happy. I'm so proud uh, representing my country and I'm so honored to hold the flag as well. Um, it's really um, like it will be like one of my um, highlights in my life. And yeah, I'm so happy. Ellie, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Uh, whereabouts you're from in Vanuatu and a little bit about uh, growing up, I guess, and, and, and becoming the athlete you are today. Uh, thank you. Um, well, um, I'm like everyone have known me, Ili uh, Enoch, and I'm from um, Malekula, one of um, the second biggest island in Vanuatu, shape of a dog. <laughs> and um, yes, I, I was born um, April, and um, I just got my um, disability on uh, a car accident in 2009. So that's when I got my uh, disability. And with your um, your your entry into sport, what what um, motivated you to get into into participating in sport, in particular um, athletics, and then and then on to uh, lifting as well? Um, well, the thing that really motivates me, like to be honest, is my son because I, I'm a mother as well. I have a son, and um, my son really motivates me because, like, seeing him growing up, and uh, I really want to show him that. Uh, when he grows up, when he grows up, because now he's just eight years old, but I know that one day when he grows up and he understands, um, like when he comes a um, big boy, he would understand that uh, a mom, be, I'm, I'm a woman with disability, but still I'm doing something that is going to be proud of when he grows up. No doubt your son is very proud of you and all that you're achieving. On that note, what is next on the agenda for you? You've just finished up from the Com Games. Are there any major tournaments that you're currently preparing for? Uh, yes, like um, right now I'm preparing, I'm doing trainings, I'm getting ready to train again. Um, like I've already, after coming back from the Commonwealth, I've already done some of my trainings and now I'm looking forward to um, the uh, Solomon Pacific Games, South Pacific Games it's in Solomon's next year. And uh, also uh, for the Paris um, next year, I think, at uh, championship. So I'm looking forward. I'm training, like right now I'm training, and I'm looking forward for the um, 2023, I think. Uh, yeah, Paris. In Paris, um, Olympic. Paralympic. Can you tell us what a, a typical training uh, week might look like for you, Ellie? What, what, what does it um, include? Um, well, on, I usually do, um, um, on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, I do field training. I do, uh, like I went into a uh, drawings, I do drawings and Tuesday and Thursdays, I do my gym training. Um, so because, um, I'm also taking part in, uh, power lifting. So, um, Tuesday and Thursday, I went down to the gym to do my, um, um, gym training for the power lifting and even some of the um, training for the like gym training for the throwings but like um, like we've known that Vanuatu we didn't really have a good facility in gyms training some yeah maybe just few of them so uh, like right now I'm doing my training down at the rowing club but um uh, we didn't have a good uh, like 
gym gym equipments. We didn't have most of the gym equipments, so I'm planning to go on a. I'll go and train on a different gym. So maybe next week I'll start my training. Yeah, on a different gym. It sounds like a little bit, I guess, of a struggle to be able to find the appropriate yeah. facilities for you to train. But, you know, hearing your journey to date, you've never used that as an excuse. If anything, it's been motivation to continually push. So good on you for that. You talk about being a mother and you're an elite athlete. How do you find the balance to juggle it all? I think well, it's all about, like I've always said, that it's all about, all about time management. I, I, you have to commit yourself. So I tried my best it's a bit challenging but I tried my best to um, uh, make sure that I have time for this and time for that so that's what I'm doing now spoken like a true elite athlete time management I could learn a thing or two still about that one uh, on the, I, I just am intrigued to know you are clearly being a trailblazer right now in Vanuatu and being a Fijian woman myself, I know in the islands, there's still that perception of women and the, the duties that they should hold in the house. Do you feel a, a shift in the way that women in sport are perceived in Vanuatu? Uh, like for me, um, not really because uh, I'm so happy that my family's around helping me so much. They really helped me with my son. So, uh, yes, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, for me, it's just okay because uh, my families, they help me help. But, and even like I have time for, like, I went to training and even sometimes I make sure to have my time for my son to sometimes I have to bring him to uh, school and even in the afternoons because he also has some activities in church. So yes, I always uh, make sure to have time for and even I'm so happy that my families are around to help me with him. It's good to have um, have that support network. It's important for I think for anyone to have that that level of support around. Uh, talking about all the things that you are currently doing, there's there's another thing that we found that um, is interesting is that you're into acting. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your passion for acting? Yeah, uh, thank you. I, I used to um, work for the um, uh, One Small Back Theater here in Vanuatu. Uh, I started working with them at. Um, 2014, 14 or 15, I think. Yeah, I started um, training them. Uh, I, I joined the, uh, because they have a group of uh, people with disability um, that working with them and they named their group is a Rainbow Disability Theater Group. So I started, yeah. I went and worked, uh, we went around the island doing advocacy for the people of disability. So yes, uh, after working with them, because like first time after my accident, I just stayed home and I thought that I couldn't do anything more. But then they're the one who approached me and they've asked me to go and uh, join them. And from that time, I realized that, yeah, people living with disability, they also have the same rights. So that's when uh, I come to realize and I accept my disability because first time, like, I I, can, I just get angry <laughs> for myself because, like, um, I have my disability now and now what am I going to do? I'll just stay home and doing nothing. But then when they came and, like, they taught me that, 
Now, being a person with disability, you still have opportunities. So just like, just look at your ability, what you can do. So yes, I've uh, acted with them. We went around the Highlands here in Vanuatu. We to different uh, acting in um, different issues like uh, hygiene, sanitation, and uh, climate change. And even uh, for the rights of people with disability, we displayed uh, one of our colleagues, one of our disability, one of my disability friends' story, which is very emotional. We play that, showing people that uh, out, you know, many people's around, they always discriminate people with disability. But after showing them that the true story about my friend. And it really helps them, people sharing this and like loving, but they understand what we're trying to showcase them. That is so powerful to hear. For all of our listeners that have just tuned in, we are speaking with Ellie Enoch. She is a Vanuatu Paralympian. Ellie, you've spoken about the power of sport and how when an opportunity was given to you, you were able to see new possibilities. Is it safe to say that sport really has changed your life in the best possible way? Yes, um, I would say that sport really changed my life. It really helps me to stand up for myself and to show people that being a person with disability, you can uh, just look at your ability, what you can do. And uh, um, you can, like, in life, we'll face many challenges, but through sport, it helps me to, like, stand up for myself and stay strong and always uh, think positive in my life. So I'm really happy that uh, I take part in sport and it really changed me. Ellie, you are an absolute inspiration and we are so thankful um, for you and, and the way that you've shared your story with us this morning. Before we let you go, we'd love to run a segment with our guests. It is called Tip On. It's basically 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. It's meant to be fun, fun sorry, and lighthearted. Would you be keen to play? Okay, right. Yes, that's it. All right, the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Um, I've been, um, I haven't read, I just watch movie and um, I listen to uh, Camilla, bam, 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 music. <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> Who was your sporting hero growing up? Um. I think um, soccer, uh, Brazil, that's my favourite thing. <laughs> Love it. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you could eat for a month straight? Okay. Um, sorry, coming in. I will try a different question. Favourite place you've travelled to? Dubai. What was the first concert you ever attended? Uh, Kimani, Mali. Okay. Would you prefer to do conditioning or weights? Um, weight. Weights. Of course, because you're a powerlifter. You've, you've got to love the weights. <laughs> Ellie, thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's been great to chat to you, to learn a little bit about uh, yourself. Uh, I wish you all the best in your upcoming events or tournaments. And, uh, yeah, good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. Thank you very much. That was Ellie Enoch. She is a Vanuatu Paralympian. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like... 
to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Yeah, Sarah, it's that time of the show where we dig into our favourite um, segment. You can ask that. It's where you can send a question in, listeners, to our either a current or former player, uh, athlete, whatever you want to call us, me being the current, Sarah being – sorry, me being the former, Sarah <laughs> being the current – Anyway, Sarah, where's that question come from this week and what is it? This question comes from Sione in Brisbane and he asks, what was your best pump-up chat? This is a good one. This is a good one. We, we, Take us into the inner sanctum. Well, I, I don't really have a specific like one that's like really good, but I know who was really good at pumping me up, like good good coaches and good players that were um, had a way with words and could actually be really direct and make you understand what you were trying to do. So... Michael Ennis, who's a bit of a pest and people like love him or hate him, uh, he's a commentator now on, on, on Fox Sports and he's, he's a really good speaker. He speaks really well and he often would find the right thing to say at the right time to sort of pump you up. So I really love listening to, to Michael when he would do our pregame address. That was always the time that I, that I really got into it. Um, Tim Sheens knew what to say as well at the right time, but he always had a lot of quotes and a lot of sayings that were really relevant so he was like a, a like a philosopher type coach like he'd bring trust up, the process yeah he'd drop he'd drop the things uh, like one of his favorite things was that you want the intensity to be really like high before a game so yes. you want the atmosphere you want to cut it with a knife that was always something that he used to talk about and um he wanted to get you in the right frame of mind to go out and bash people that was kind of where he'd go with things, but also very detailed on game plan and that. So I don't really have anything specific as in like remembering a, remembering a moment, but just a couple of people that were really good motivators. What about yourself? Um, Michael Ennis, that's also very interesting to me. That, that's Yeah, he just had a way with words. Like he, he, he knew what to say. I mean, the, the follow is the gift of the gab. He's got yeah. one of the top spots at Fox Sports, so good on him. <laughs> um, for me, what was my best pop-up chat? I don't have a pre-game moment. Oh, actually, there's two that stands out to me, but my top, top one that I've always kept was it was my first premier, uh, first grand final, sorry, with Sydney University. And um, we were in the lead up against Parramatta Two Blues. We're at a park in Blacktown. There's nothing flash about it. We're standing there all in a huddle and our coach at the, at the time, Phil Brown, um, turns to us and he says, girls, there's 40 minutes left. You choose whether you want to win or not. And I just thought, yeah, that's so true. Like it doesn't all, you know, everything else can become noise and all the chat and, you know, the referee and his calls can be controversial. But essentially when it comes to the game, it's about the 15 girls on the pitch buying in and, and making a choice as a collective that they want to win and they'll take nothing less. So that was a really, it's something so simple yet so profound. And then another that sticks out to me was when I debuted at, uh, in Brisbane earlier this year with the Wallaroos, we were in our change room and our captain, Shan Parry, spoke and said, you know, we haven't had a game in over a thousand days and here we are. We now have the opportunity to run out in front of our family and friends. And like just, I guess, the sentiment of the moment and also my debut and how long it had been that women's rugby had to pretty much go and hold in this country, um, kind of just all tied in that moment. So those are two standout moments for me. I love this, like the simplicity of that one from your, um, your coach for Sydney Uni in your first grand final. You choose. like It, it puts it squarely on individuals, but as a group, you, you all get the same message. And I, I really like that. Yeah. I mean, so Phil Brown, you didn't give me much, but that, that always <laughs> stuck with me. Love you, man. Love you. Anytime you come to Sydney, come, come see me. <laughs> It was a pretty good question. I like that from Sione. And uh, if you've got a question, you can send it through to our DMs on Instagram. I'm at Dean Hullitow and Sarah is at Sarah Nangama. Can you 
to be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Oh my God. You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the tough headlines in the ruck. Pacific. Keeping it social. Keeping it social is what I do both on the screen and in real life, you know, just that's what I do. Your your Instagram feed is often out somewhere. Yeah. I mean, the girl's just rich in life experiences. <laughs> what can I say, man? What can I say? That's fair enough. Enjoy it. Yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, my social for this week is actually quite heartwarming. Keon Kolomatangi, who is a South player, was out at the SFS last weekend, and after the game, uh, there was some footage captured of him holding his new baby girl, Sam's, on the sideline. Hey, little girl, look what you've done. You've gone and stole my heart and made it your own. You stole my heart and made it your own. Just scenes of a very special moment between a father and his daughter. Yeah, it's very sweet. I like that. Good pick, Sarah. And also that music. Doesn't it just make you feel a little bit... Jack Johnson? Oh. It was Jack Johnson, wasn't it? Sure. Yeah, it was. It was Jack Johnson. Okay, thank you. What that. about you, Harlas? What did you find? Well, I found something a little less heartwarming and a little more chuckly. Chuckly? Is that a word? That's not a word. Give us chuckly. We want chuckly. Yeah, Swoopy the Magpie. I've called it Swoopy the Magpie. I don't know if that's uh, the Magpie's name. but Making um, up a lot of things today, but I'm about it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it's a, a match, a uh, country match out in um, Parks, uh, Forbes versus Parks, and uh, there's a Magpie just swooping the poor winger from <laughs> Forbes Magpies, of course. I mean, we've, had a, we've had a couple of Magpie swooping ones before. There was an AFL, kids AFL game that we highlighted a long time ago, but this one is, uh, I guess, the adults version of Magpie taking on winger. And there you go. We've got a Magpie on the field. It is swooping season, so the wingers are going to have to be careful. Difficult time of year to be stuck out on the wing on a rugby league field when the Magpies are about. So the Magpie is attacking the winger here. He's got a tough task here, Connor Greenhull. There is civil war in the middle of Jock Collie Field. The Forbes Magpie winger being attacked by a Parks Magpie. I would be so scared. Have you not been attacked by a Magpie I have before? been attacked by a Magpie, and I'm not kidding. It really did scar me for life. Yeah. I hate birds on sight. Yeah. And you hear the wings flapping over your head. <laughs> and they're relentless. Yeah. But I also love the, uh, the caption on the NRL roast where we found it, which says, when you don't pay your swoopy boy tax on time, They'll find you. <laughs> yeah, that poor winger out there. Great commentary too from uh, the commentary, whoever that was, whatever network was co- covering that. It was um, good to see. The the graphic on the um, picture, the Magpie Nader, that was the music in the background, the Terminator music. Yeah, yeah. Cheesy, yeah. bit cheesy. Cool, let's wrap this one up. Yeah, okay. Okay, thanks. <laughs> in the run. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? Well, I guess the thing that I want to talk a little bit more about is the Wallabies versus All Blacks on the game and the controversial ending that has spectators all over the world scratching their head. There was a lot of head scratching. A lot of head know. scratching. It was a, such a good game too. Like it was it was a 10 all at half time and um, it was very back and forth in the second half. A number of yellow cards given. Um, the Wallabies, I think, were down two men at one point. So it was... Um, it was such an entertaining match and the way you'd expect a Bledisloe to go, but the, the final result, the last five to ten seconds, was uh, pretty tough. Australia were genuinely 
two minutes away from taking the Bledisloe and the last time they hold that trophy was back in 2002. And as we see in the final, say, three minutes of the game, Lala Kaifaketi dives over the ball, wins the penalty. Anyways, they're, they're awarded and they pretty much just have to kick for touch. Bernard Foley takes the ball. And, you know, there's there's just some moments of celebration. Everyone's getting around, yeah, cheering. And he takes steps back to kick for the ball. And before he even kicks it, ref calls it and says, it's a scrum to the All Blacks because of your time-wasting efforts. A chance. Oh, he's turned it over. What's happened here? No, 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 no. This is terrible refereeing, I'm sorry. What has happened? Since giving a free kick for delaying the game that he was taking too long to take the kick. Oh, he's penalised Foley for wasting time? Oh, monsieur! You cannot... I heard no warnings, to be honest, down on the sideline before. He didn't seem to be hurrying him up and speeding him along to actually tell him to take the kick. French referee Mathieu Renal. Renal is not loved at all, but as we'll we'll play some audio shortly, he believes that he, and I guess so, he had given Foley numerous warnings of clock on, clock off, kick for time, takes too much time, blows, your time wasting, scrum to the All Blacks, changes the game. There was, like, there's vision of his teammate, Foley's teammates trying to encourage him to kick the ball because they're probably fearful of this. But, and, and, like, it's such a, a big moment to make a call like that. I wonder if he was doing it for the entire game because there's so much downtime in any sport when there's, like, a penalty given, a player takes a ball to kick for touch, to kick a goal or whatever. Um, and, and there are parameters around it, like, around how long you can take to do things. I just wonder if he was consistent with that through the whole match. Well, that's the biggest thing is that even though that the rugby laws state that it is to the referee's discretion, there's no time frame associated with it. So it purely is up to his discretion. But if you want to practice it in that moment, everyone's saying, well, then be consistent for the time they kick for touch. Are we putting a time frame around how long it takes to set up for a line out? Then you think about scrums, how many times you have to reset it. We're not putting anything around that. And I guess in Foley's defense, he, he, turned around and I guess in a way was also checking on his teammates. They've just, they're defending their line. Are his forwards ready to go? Is his halfback ready to go? Because if he boots it and it's still in the field of play, that game already changes again. So there are a few elements to it that has everyone saying like, where was your discretion at certain parts of the game? And, you know, one thing that I heard earlier this week, which I thought was quite interesting, is you have a minute and a half after a try to set up and kick your conversion. Twice, New Zealand took longer than that yet no discretion was practiced. So it is a moment for rugby in general, and I guess it's it's going to raise um, some, not necessarily concerns, but it's going to certainly be a benchmark for referees that if they're going to referee that way, they're going to have to do it all throughout so that they don't face this kind of scrutiny after a game. Yeah, well, let's listen to what uh, the referee had to say about it when he was explaining Nick White. Nick White 39 points to 37. The student... Can I speak? I tell you, you first because you were the captain. Yes. I tell to you ten. Then I, 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 I warning him. I say if you don't play immediately, I will give a strength. So that's not fair what you did at the end. You, you just run the time. So and you know exactly if you think I'm not capable to give a strength and to turn around, you make a mistake. Yeah. So now you know it. Thank you. Not being weird, but doesn't it sound like an adult telling off a kid? Like it's kind of a little bit, not necessarily rude, but a little bit arrogant. Like I told you and you didn't do it. So you didn't think I would, but I did. And so if you think I'm incapable, 
Well, he stamped his authority, which is what a referee has to have. Authority. We know that. Um, it's, a, it's such a big moment and a big call. And unfortunately for the Wallabies, it, it, it did cost them. The blood is slow. And so now we fight again in next year. But they will have an opportunity this weekend in Auckland, which I'm sure they'll be very keen to turn around. But what a game. What a game. Now, staying with rugby, and uh, there's been some some positive news in Tonga with uh, Barefoot Rugby partnering up with the Auckland Blues to donate uh, some sports equipment, in particular 20,000 pairs of sports shoes to high schools. This is a really heartwarming and also not necessarily heartwarming because I feel like it's a bit of a, a discredit to what they're doing, but do not underestimate the power of giving equipment to underprivileged communities. And I love this action by the Auckland Blues because essentially what they're doing is empowering youth to, to not only be active, but to also give them an opportunity. Yeah. And then we know that, um, you know, there's been some, some testing times uh, in Tonga with natural disasters impacting way back in January. So to, to be able to um, provide kids in schools with much needed equipment and with, and with shoes just to, to play as well, that's, um, that's something that no doubt they'll appreciate. And it's a great move, as you say, by, by the Blues and, and by Barefoot Rugby. Good work, Auckland Blues. We love to see this kind of work. Moving on to the NRL, the Digicel Cup Grand Final is set to happen this weekend. Yeah, the Agmark Rubble Gurias versus the Hella Wigman will take place this weekend. Um, we wish both teams all the best. Uh, who were last year's winners? The Tigers won last year, didn't they? So mm-hmm. um, obviously not, not there this year, but uh, who are you going to get behind? Well, we have to go one for one because that always makes it a little bit more interesting, right? Yeah. I'm going, for, I'm going to vote for Hella Wigman. Okay, I'll go with the Gurus then. I love that I say vote, but what I meant is I go. You support. I support. Yeah, I need better adjectives. Thanks. We'll we'll catch up again next week and uh, give everyone the result of that match. Coffee for whoever the loser is. Okay, fair enough. All right, gone. Yeah, yeah. Who are you on, Nelly? I love that she's saying coffee, but she's not going to be here to fulfill the terms of the bet. (laughs) Transfer, $5. Transfer, $5. Pay ID, it works. It works. (laughs) Staying with Rugby League and the RLPA announced their dream team for 2022, which is uh, an award that's voted on. So they, they, the RLPA do this every year. They have players vote on who they think the best player is in the competition and they also do it by position. And this year, the dream team that they've uh, come up with, there's a couple of people in there that you'd expect, like James Tedesco, fullback. But the, the big news, I guess, is that uh, – it's dominated by Pacifica players, 10 Pacifica players throughout the squad. Joseph Sawali'i, uh, Daniel Tupo, Joseph Manu, Justin Olam, James Fisher-Harris, jo- uh, Joseph Tapane, uh, Apikoroisau, Jeremiah Nanai, Azai Papali'i. Uh, so they're uh, all the Pacifica players in that team. It's uh, great to see representation. Yeah, we love to see it. And yeah, I guess that, that, that note on representation, it's just so great to see so many of our players being recognised this way, not by the public, but by their peers. So I think that's the most heartwarming part about it. It's funny that uh, just on the, um, the awards given by, when you, when you voted by peers, like a player's player award, is, means so it, much more. it means a lot to be a player that people want to play with or that p- people recognize as, as a good player that play alongside you is uh, pretty important. So uh, well done to those players. One of the wingers named in that side was Joseph Swatley, who has pledged his allegiance to Samuel for the upcoming Rugby League World Cup. Yeah, really big news. He's had a great um, season, Joseph, and uh, there probably was a lot of attention uh, from the Kangaroos to, to represent there. Um, Mel Meninga always looking to bring through um, some young blood, but he's made the decision to represent Samoa, which I think is is great for International Rugby League. Um, yeah, it, yes, it's, it's going to be difficult for... Um, the, the kangaroos not to have him in there, but then you start talking about eligibility um, for Origin and whatnot. He's a, he's an Origin level player, Joseph Sawali'i. So it's um, 
it's big for him to say he's going to represent his family in Samoa, and I think it's great for international rugby league, and it's going to create some really good attention for uh, the World Cup uh, that's going to be taking place. And Samoa has put together a really strong side. They're looking really, really good. Yeah, it's really great to see some of the NRL players um, who, you know, were definitely first go-tos for the Kangaroos kind of say, no, I'd rather play for, for my, my home country, which is um, just so special to see so many players do that because those teams probably aren't in the best position to win, but they want to give it their all. Yes, they certainly do. Now, a player that's gone the other way, Murata Niakore from the uh, Parramatta Eels, he has represented the Cook Islands previously. So a couple of years ago, he represented them, but um, he's actually made the decision to represent uh, the Kiwis at the Rugby League World Cup this year. Now, he had to get an exemption for this because of eligibility rules and this being a, a um, World Cup year. The qualifier that he played for the Cook Islands um, a couple of years ago meant that he's within the same tournament, so he couldn't switch allegiances. But he played for New Zealand in the mid-year test match this year, so he wasn't going to be allowed to play for either nation because of eligibility rules. They had to grant an, an exemption to play. A bit a bit tricky, but, he, but he's going to get to play regardless. Um, I guess they've taken some special considerations um, to allow this to happen, and he's had a, another fantastic year. He's leaving the Eels at the end of the season, but um, I think he'll do well in the World Cup. He'll do well for the remainder of the final series, and good luck to him. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Unfortunately, that's all we have time for, Sarah. Yes, very sad. But if you miss the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. BG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want more sport, you can check out that Pacific Sports Show on Wednesday night or catch up on ABC Australia iView. Mother. Matolakia. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production. For ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.